going to talk today about handling conflict. Now, I know none of you ever have any. Well, I'll tell you, it matters so much if you know how to handle conflict or if you don't know how to handle conflict. So it's amazing to me how the Bible speaks to every, every problem in life. The Bible speaks to every problem in life. You don't need psychotherapy, you need Bible therapy, right? So I, we're going to read some verses that have to do with the church, but the church is a bunch of homes. Um, and so it, it's right to the home. So let's, let me just read, and I'm going to have you chime in a couple of times, all right? Look what Paul writes. Watch your talk. I could stop right there and preach. Watch your talk. Then he goes on. No bad words should be coming from your mouth. Say what is good. Your words should help other, others grow as Christians or should edify. Put out of your life all these things. Now he's going to list them. Bad feelings about other people, anger, temper, loud talk, bad talk, most talk. <laughs> no, I put that in there <laughs> because that takes care of most of it, right? All right. Which hurts other people. And bad feelings, which also hurt other people. Now, I want you to read this last part with me. You must be kind to each other. Think of the other person. Forgive other people, just as God forgave you because of Christ's death on the cross. Now, Father, we just thank you today that there is a calling on every home here to produce fruit, to glorify God, to be influential for Jesus, to be a place of peace, of encouragement, of harmony, of unity, of edification, of character building. And Lord, you've got a call on our homes. Even if we're single and alone, there's still a call on our home. You're working in that single home. And so now, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will speak to us. And Lord, renew our minds. Help us to change Help us, Lord, to be rearranged, renovate the way we think and the way we deal with one another. And I thank you, Lord, for your blessing on us today. Now, will you breathe a prayer? Just say, Lord, bless my home. And I receive this word for my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to somebody and say, God's going to bless your home. Now, as we talked about last time, what we just read are keys to establishing the atmosphere of your home. Everybody's home has an atmosphere. It's either tense or peaceful. It's either angry or is unified. It's, um, it can be a place of blessing. It can be a place of curse. Ing. The home's atmosphere matters because you walk out of that home every day. And whatever atmosphere you walk out of is kind of determines how you're going to face that day. Do you go out limping or do you go out encouraged? Uh, and when you come home, do you, are you looking forward to getting there or are you dreading getting there? That tells you a lot about what you think about the atmosphere. Some of you have incredible homes. Some of you, it's so toxic, even the pets don't like your home. So notice what he says. We're called to watch the words we speak in the home. This is the home. Watch the words we speak. Let them be encouraging, uplifting, and affirming. And we're called to watch the emotions we harbor. Don't be bitter. 
don't hold grudges. Don't walk around angry all the time. And then we're to watch the actions we do. Be kind. Be. That's a verb. Be kind. Be forgiving. So notice what sets the atmosphere. Words, emotions, and actions are what decide the atmosphere of your home. If it's uplifting, if it tears down, whatever it is, words, emotions, and actions decide the atmosphere. But now, i got to tell you, conflicts are going to happen from time to time in any home. You know why? Because people are there. As we say in ministry, ministry would be easy if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> home would be easy if it wasn't for the people there, right? So conflicts are going to happen because people are there. And, and, and so you're going to have some conflicts. Jesus gave us a promise. He said, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. If you're around people, you're going to have offenses. That's why a church is always dealing with various offenses. Some of you are here in this church because you left another church because there was an offense. And now you're offended here and you're thinking about going somewhere else. Don't go because you'll just take your offense with you. Uh, Handle it. Deal with it. And stay where God's planted you. But that's another day and another message. Now, I want to give you an encouraging word from the start today. That a conflict can actually be the stairway to another level of blessing in your relationship if it's handled in a mature, godly way. And let me tell you why. Because conflicts reveal things that are hindering your relationship from growing in the first place. So a conflict can actually be a good thing because it is highlighting a, an issue that once resolved, your relationship's going to be better off. I know that's hard for you to believe or imagine, but it's true. If you can work through it, your relationship's going to go from here to here. Now, counselors agree that most family conflicts begin over one or more of these things. I'm going to name three things that most conflicts begin over in the home. Finances, number one, overspending, under-earning, unemployment, financial pressure, debt, cause is the number one cause of conflict in the home. Money, honey. When somebody tells me they're going to get married, I say, how are your finances doing? Oh, well, well, we'll make it work. Well, I want to know how your finances are doing. Are you making more than, you know, $100 a week? And if they say, well, you know, we're just kind of working through the finances, we're in some debt, and we don't really have a good job, I say, then don't get married yet. The Bible says, prepare your work outside. Make it fit for yourself in the field of labor, and then build your house. Do you know what said that? That's a proverb. Now, it, it, here's the second one, discipline of children. Conflict over how to do it. So finances and discipline of children, and then the third one, and the biggie for me, I believe this is the biggest one, is poor communication skills. The inability to successfully resolve conflict is one of the major reasons of divorce and disharmony and disunity in the home, the inability to successfully resolve conflict, and that's the one I want to deal with today, and, and you'll be amazed how much the Bible has to say about this. Now, just in case you're under the illusion that Christian homes are more conflict-free than non-Christian homes. Let me point out that James, in the book of James, dealt with a huge problem with conflicts exclusively amongst Christians. He opens chapter 4 and verse 1 with a question. 
He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? He didn't write that to the world. He wrote that to believers. He wrote that to born-again, spirit-filled Christians. He said, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? And you know, he went on to say that it was this bad, that there were instances of bloodshed and robbery amongst Christians. (gasps) I love the way the Bible gets down and gets real. Listen to what he says. He's describing it. You lust for what you don't have, and you're willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours, and you'll risk violence to get your hands on it. That's robbery. He's describing robbery. Going, going to violence to get something from somebody else that they have that you want. Killing, robbery, bloodshed. He's writing to Christians. Then he answers his own question as to where all the fighting comes from. Here's, here's his, his solution or his, his uh, prognosis on where it all comes from. They come about because you want your own way and you fight for it deep inside yourselves. So most fights begin and end because, because two people want their own way. One member of the household wants one thing, another something else, and a fight ensues. Most fights have to do with control. Most fights, most disagreements, most disharmony in the home has to do with, I want this and the other one wants that, and it's a control issue, and fighting is going on until somebody wins, and the other one submits. And again, almost always it's over money, children, or poor communication. So again, I'm going to deal with the poor communication. How do you work through a conflict without it opening the door of the devil to gain a foothold in your home? Because if you don't know how to work through a conflict, it will open the door for the enemy to come in and put a wedge between you and the people in your household. And then he's really able to come in and bring distance and alienation and bitter feelings and grudges and all of that. And it's not a pretty picture. See, we need to learn how to resolve conflicts, how to handle conflicts in the home. So the Bible is filled with advice, and I want to pull out what I think is the the king verse. Uh, One verse, it's easy to remember, that has to do with how to handle conflict in the home or anywhere else, the workplace, anywhere else, how to handle conflict. James says this in in chapter 1, verse 19. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So what do you do when a conflict arises? First, you listen. Everybody say listen. Now listen up. The first thing you do in a conflict is you listen. Let every man be swift to hear. Now, what we are is we're swift to speak. But he says, first of all, I want you to be swift to hear. I want you to be a listener. There's no better advice. There is no better advice in all the Bible in handling conflict than this one verse. In a conflict, maximize listening, minimize speaking, and neutralize your anger. Let every man be swift to listen slow to talk back and slow to get mad. Put a lid on it, pull back, dial it back. Don't lose your temper, but make it your resolve. Now, now this verse is telling us to do what does not come naturally to us. 
It doesn't come naturally to me because when I'm in a conflict, I'm going to talk. And, and I'm going to, and I'm going to try to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. Is anybody else like that in here? Come on. You look at me so holy with those halos over your head. The, the typical response in a conflict is to speak, to make your point because your point is the point to state your case, to win the argument by proving you're right. Y'all are looking at me like, Now listen, the Bible says, therefore, fights begin with words. Listen to Proverbs 17, 14. The start of an argument is like a small leak in a dam. Stop it before a big fight breaks out. Now what's the leak? What's the water? What is the water in the metaphor here? The start of an argument is like a small leak in a dam. Well, it's the words of your mouth. What's leaking is the words of our mouth. That are like a tiny leak in a dam that grows bigger by the second until an uncontrollable burst of water breaks the dam, unleashing destruction. So watch this. At the start of a conflict, words begin trickling out, right? At first, you're calm. Your blood pressure is 120 over 80. You're okay. We're just talking. We got a disagreement here. But, but then... Then, as the trickle continues, as the trickle of words continue, and and it escalates, then comes condemning words, accusing words, angry words, and they grow worse by the minute until the dam of self-control is shattered and a torrent of destructive words pour out. Now your blood pressure is 180 over 100. Now you're seeing red. Now you're not hearing each other anymore at all, and usually the argument escalates into something it didn't start about. Because it's you this, you that, well, you this and you that. And we get historical, and we go back 20 years and pull out the file cabinet of everything they've done, as long as you've known them. And you pull out all this information, and, and if you notice, when you get historical, you get hysterical. Well, you this and you that, the one with the best memory wins, because they can go all the way back 30 years. And so you got the, 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 the words are coming out like a leak in a dam, and all of a sudden the dam bursts, and now you're in something that you sure did not plan on or intend to be in. So here's what the Bible's telling us. The very first thing we must get control of in a conflict is our words. Everybody say words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can kill somebody, you can heal somebody. You can tear somebody down, you can build somebody up. Death and life are in the power of what you say. You have great power in between your two sets of teeth. Now, the Bible says, listen to this, the the Bible teaches that the goal in any conflict is not to win with words. Can I say that again? Because some of you are in shock when I say that. The goal of any conflict is not to win with words, but it is to hear what the other person is trying to say. That's your goal in a conflict. Now, like me, listen, I was raised a, a word guy. And my dad used to always tell me, you should be a lawyer or a prosecutor. Well, I can be either one if I'm in a disagreement with somebody. And for the longest time, when I had a conflict with Kathy or anybody in my life, I thought that my number one job was to win with words. But it was not to win with words. See, the Bible says be swift to listen, not speak. 
You will win the battle and lose the war if you don't walk away from the conflict having heard the heart of the other person. So can we just say again together, listen. Listen. Be a listener. Be quick to listen. The Proverbs say, you're not going to believe they say this, but they do. Proverbs 18, 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Now, I like the NLT version. Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. I'm just quoting the Bible. But you see what he's saying? He's saying answering. He's saying it's not fair or sensible to respond to an issue when you haven't listened to what the real problem is. So what we do is we fly off the handle and we go to words. And the words start spewing out, trickling at first, then spewing, then the dam breaks, then you're in a fight. And he's saying, if you start addressing somebody when an issue has come up, if you start speaking to them and attacking them or debating with them, if you don't even know what their heart is really trying to say, it is stupid and rude and shameful and foolish. So he's saying, first, be a listener. Listen to this. The goal in a conflict is to solve it by hearing and understanding not to win it by proving you're right. And that just knocks me down because that's what I like doing, proving that I'm right. Come on, everybody. Y'all look at me so solemn. I know it's 9 o'clock in the morning, but don't be so sad. Some of you are about to get set free in your home. Some of you are about to change. We're going to get a different atmosphere in your household, in your domicile. All right, now, being a good listener is far better than being a good debater because conflict resolution begins with hearing and understanding, not winning a word battle. You want to solve the problem, not win a fight. Can we say that together? I want to solve the problem, not win a fight. Okay? Now, here's why listening first, because the Bible be swift to listen. Here's why listening first is so important. Here's why. Because what somebody says at the start of a conflict is often not the real reason for the conflict. Now, I'm going to say that again. What somebody says at the start of a conflict is often not the real reason for the conflict. For instance, let me give you an example. A wife snaps at her husband about watching too much ESPN on TV, and a conflict erupts with the husband lashing back about just needing some downtime. I just need some downtime. Would you leave me alone, woman? Will you watch that TV too much? You just need to go join a sport team. But here's the deal. The real reason she lashed out is there's been little affection between them and she feels rejected. There hasn't been enough affection between them, and she feels rejected. She feels like TV's more more important than me, work's more important than me, this and that and the other are more important than me. And so her issue is really not that he's watching TV. It is, hey, I'm over here, and I feel feel like I'm not even in the house. You're not paying any attention to me, and that's the real issue. So there's, there's, it's like the top of a weed. It doesn't do you any good to, to cut the top of a weed off. You need to get the root out. If you don't get the root out, the weed just comes back over and over again. And that's why some arguments come back over and over again, because the root is not being pulled out. And the reason it's not being pulled out is somebody's not listening. 
You have to listen a while. Give the other person time to talk. Don't push, don't bully, don't intimidate, but listen to what their heart is trying to say. If you're hovering over them, looking at them with a furrowed brow with steam coming out their your ears, do you think they're really going to tell you what they're feeling? They don't even know what they're feeling because you're hanging over them looking bad. I love you, but you say I love you like you want to kill them. So you have to listen a while. You have to just sit back and listen a while. Chill. Take a deep breath. Listen. Listen. Be quick to listen. And trust me, I want to promise you, being a good listener, learning how to do it, it's not easy at all. It is an acquired skill, but it's one that really pays off. And let me show you how it pays off. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 20, verse 5. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water but a man of understanding will draw it out. Now watch this. That verse is telling us that a person's true feelings and thoughts are deep down in the depths of their soul. And a good listener will learn how to draw it out. A good listener will be listening for what the heart is trying to say, whether or not they're fumbling with with words, because you've got to get down to what the real issue is. It's not the TV, it's you're neglecting me. It's not the TV, it's that you're putting everything else first above me. But the TV is just the easiest thing for me to gripe about. But if that man sits down with her and he says, he says, all right, sweetie, tell me, what's, what's, what's really eating at you? Well, it's that TV. No, 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 it's not the TV. I, I know we're dealing with more. What, what is really eating at you? And, and, he's, and you're sitting back, and you're not in a threatening position, and you really are listening, and you're waiting for it to come out. And finally she says, well, all right, I'm hurt because you're never talking to me. You're never showing me affection. I, I just feel like, a, like one, of the, one of the plates in the kitchen. I just kind of feel like one of the flower pots in the living room. I, I just feel like a centerpiece, but, I, but I'm not even in the center as a piece. I'm, I'm over here. And so what's really hurting me is I want you, not yours. Getting to the real issue doesn't mean they're going to be right every time, but it does mean you tried to hear. You tried to hear their true issue before speaking to it. So everybody say, listen first. Ooh, this is the quietest group I've talked to in a long time. And I know this is meddling, but I'm going to tell you, you're looking at a person who was chief of debaters and one who used words to intimidate and pummel because that's what I did with Kathy for years. I don't even know that I was doing it because words come naturally to me. And I thought the whole time, and she knows, I believe she listens. She knows this is true. She wasn't as good with words as me. So I would win an argument but lose the war. I would win an argument, but I would lose the war because every time I won the argument, she, she was more and more alienated and more and more shut down. And I learned the hard way that you cannot do that. You cannot be unfair in, in a conflict. You've got to listen first. You've got to just sit down and just listen. And, of course, it goes both ways, you wives to the men. Or if you're single, this, works, this is the same with friends or somebody you're seeing. It doesn't matter. Any relationship, you need to listen. 
Now, once you've listened to get the real issue, then the Bible says, then speak. But it says, speak slowly. Okay. Be slow to speak, sweetheart. Now, the Bible says be slow to speak, meaning think through what you're going to say before you say it. Use wisdom. Let me tell you something true about life. People who speak quickly usually speak badly. You got to listen and then say, okay, now how am I going to respond to this? A word of counsel. Well, let me just read a verse for you. Proverbs 25, 11 tells us, tells us about the beauty of speaking well once you've heard the problem. It says, the right word at the right time, rightly delivered, is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Woo! I mean, it's like a diamond in a beautiful setting. So here's what that means. A word of counsel or of love or of encouragement or of understanding, rightly spoken, is especially beautiful as fine fruit looks even more beautiful in silver baskets or as a diamond in a beautiful ring setting. So when you respond wisely, the right word delivered in the right way pours the healing of the Holy Spirit onto the conflict and paves the way to resolve it. Now, back to the illustration of the wife who snaps at her husband about too much TV. Here's the deal. The wise response for this husband, once he has sat there and and he he has sat his wife down, honey, it's clear to me you're upset. Can you please tell me what's really bothering you? Finally, after listening while being very patient, not attacking, not intimidating, not being condescending, but listening, then she finally says, okay, it's because I want you more in my life. You're not paying enough attention to me and, and I'm feeling neglected and rejected. And so that's the problem. Now here's the wise response. Honey, I'm sorry. I haven't meant to, I have not meant to neglect you. You mean the world to me. I'll do my best to change. Will you forgive me? That's the right word delivered in the right way. And that's why this next thing is important. When you do respond, avoid Trigger words and trigger phrases guaranteed to escalate the conflict. Now listen to what Solomon says again. Hey, Solomon, he had, he had 300 wives, 700 concubines. The man knew a little bit about relationships. I'm surprised he was able to write with 300 wives and 700 concubines. Now, moving on. Look what he said. He said, Solomon said this, rash language cuts and maims, but there is healing in the words of the wise. Another version, some people like to make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise soothe and heal. So what are cutting remarks? What, are, what, are, what is rash language? It is accusing, condemning, condescending words. When this person has opened up and shared their heart, it's like you're, you're in the middle of a surgery. The, the wound is open and, and the cancer or whatever it is that the, the surgery is taking place to remove that offense, that issue, they're in a fragile, delicate place. And so the last thing you want to do 
is put something infected in there like the wrong kind of words. Let me give you an example. Well, that's stupid. Well, that's just stupid. That's not true. You know what I learned with, with Kathy, 39 years of marriage? If it's real to them, it's real to me. I'm going to say that again. If it's real to them, it's real to me. Well, I'm going to put it another way. If it's real to them, it better be real to me. So that's stupid. No, 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 no. Because if it's real to them, it needs to be real to you. Uh, You're such a baby. I wish you weren't such a baby. Every little thing knocks you out. Or this is all your fault. Or here's a bad one. I wish I'd never married you. Clearly, we made a mistake. Um, Here's another one. Leave it to you to make a mountain out of a molehill. Now, here's this person. You have, you're, you're operating on them. This is surgery time. They have opened up their heart. You now know the real reason that there is a conflict. And the last thing you want to do is pour salt in that wound by using the wrong words. He says, speak slowly. Think about it. Think carefully. Ask God for wisdom. How to answer. Even if you need to say, you know, I need to take a break. I'm going to go for a walk, and I'll be right back. And go for a walk and pray. Lord, how do I respond to this? And get the word of the Lord. And don't just speak quickly in resolving a conflict. Rash, harsh, cutting words, sabotage, problem solving. When you accuse, you lose. Can we say that together? When you accuse, you lose. Because once you accuse or belittle somebody, they're not going to hear anything else you say. And it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. Let's talk about volume for a minute. (laughs) Boy, some of you are going, boy, I wish I'd have stayed home today. It was... You know, it was really, here's the deal. Now, first, the volume. Let me just tell you the truth about volume. Increase in volume decreases success. All you get from screaming and yelling is raised blood pressure, a sore throat, and terrified pets. (laughs) The louder you get, the less you're heard. The other person is sitting there thinking, "You're, you're talking so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Instead, here's what the Bible advises. Instead of volume, speak gently. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle response, a gentle response diffuses anger, but harsh words cause quarrels. A gentle answer is quiet, it's non-threatening, and it's non-accusing. That's a gentle answer. It turns away anger. A gentle answer gets anger out of the conflict. So after quietly listening without interruption in a gentle tone, here's what you do. Repeat to them what you think you've understood them to say. Like, okay, I think you're saying you have felt neglected by me. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Now, the wound is open. The problem is there. You see it. You're operating You're speaking encouraging words, soothing words, not condemning, not condescending. And now you want to bring resolution. No surgeon opens you up to operate, but what he fully intends to resolve the wound by closing you back up with no infection. So the last thing here, you've listened first, you've spoken second, and now you want to bring resolution. Resolution is the action of solving a problem, a dispute, or a contentious matter. It means you're going to bring it to a close. You're going to bring closure. You're going to do something about what has come out. 
Now, resolution is achieved in several ways, but mainly two, and I'm going to close with this. Most resolution in a conflict involves first forgiveness. If you can't forgive, your marriage is in deep, deep trouble or your friendship or your working relationship. You've got to be able to forgive. Marriage is made of two good forgivers, period. So the Bible says forgive other people as God forgave you because of Christ's death on the cross. So if you're going to resolve uh, an issue that has caused an offense, you've listened first, you've spoken second with wisdom, now you want to bring resolve. You want to resolve it, so you forgive first. Sweetie, will you forgive me for neglecting you? I will. Will you forgive me for snapping at you and kind of being mean and ornery because I was bugged with you? I will. Come here, sweetie. Give me a hug. I love you. Second is mutual cooperation. You say to one another, I will do my best to change, to stop doing what brought on the conflict or to start doing what was lacking. You got to bring resolution. It says you must be kind to each other. Think of the other person. Don't be selfish, Philippians 2, 3, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. So you say, okay, I hear you. I'm going to change. When I come home, I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to spend more time with you. If it's a friendship, whatever, you know, you just extrapolate that and figure out what to do. But you've got to affirm that you meant it. The, the Bible talks about repentance that shows fruit, the fruits of repentance. And so if you realize now what's been going on in the home, that conflict, now you've listened, you've gotten to the heart of it, you've spoken to it, words of healing, and now you're bringing resolution with forgiveness and mutual cooperation. We're going to work on this so that this, this continual problem doesn't keep us in a state of conflict. You can just call me Jeff Freud Wickwire today. All right, because I feel like I've been, <laughs> I just feel like I've been in a counseling session, but I have. And I'm going to tell you, I had to learn this the hard way. I was so dumb and dumber when I got married, dumb and dumber, stuck on stupid, dunce hat on. I knew nothing about marriage. And if you don't get some wisdom, you're going to learn with the hard knocks. I'd rather get the wisdom. Amen. Amen? So let's stand together, can we? I hope I've helped you because y'all are so quiet, you're making me nervous. <laughs> ah, boy. So let's just say together, when conflict arises, be swift to hear. Listen first. Be slow to speak. Choose wise words. Slow to anger. Keep a lid on it. Finally, resolve to forgive and mutually agree to change. God will help you to change. Lord, we just thank you today for the blessing of God on the house of God, on the homes in this church. Thank you for the homes in this church. And Lord, this is, this is convicting to hear. I know that. It would be convicting for me if I was out there listening. And Lord, so many times you had to convict me about these very things. 
Lord, we need your help in relationships. We're naturally selfish. We naturally go for number one and choose number one, us over another person. And Lord, we need your help in our marriages, in our friendships, in our work relationship. We need your help in resolving conflict successfully. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord Jesus? And I want you to pray a blessing on your home. I just want you to take a minute and pray for a blessing of wisdom on your home, peace on your home, that wisdom would infiltrate your home, knowledge and understanding would, would just take your home to the next level. Father, we ask you to forgive us as we forgive others. I forgive those, say it with me, I forgive those who have offended me in my household, in my friendships, in my workplace. I forgive as you have forgiven me. Help me to be a wise listener, Lord, and a wise responder. In Jesus' name. Let's worship him a minute. I sense the Holy Spirit here. There's a spirit of healing here. I want some of you to dare to believe God to change your home. So can we, let's just worship.